When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today joined by Dave Prentice and Adam Jones as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. And of course, as ever with this time of year, it is transfers at the top of the agenda, pre-season really in full swing and drawing to a closing factor one friendly remaining Werder Bremen on Saturday and of course also drawing to a close is the transfer window time ticking down on that and still plenty of business to be done but one piece of business we do not expect to happen is Wilfred Zaha um, much confusion over the weekend um, reports of bids going in bids have been rejected um was it ever a transfer, Preno, that you thought likely? Was it a transfer that you were excited about when when initially mentioned? No, not in the slightest, because um, everything we'd heard, you know, from the football club is that it was uh, not not going to be a, a priority. It's not a target that Everton were actively chasing. Um, whether a bid went in or went not uh, depends on how you phrase these things. Obviously, a conversation had taken place. Um, but whether that actually materialised in a definitive bid, you know, I'm still very, very doubtful over. Um, I just, Everson's priority is certainly somebody in that front third. And uh, I personally would like to see a goal scorer brought in. And Zaha, talented player though he is, isn't really a, an out-and-out goal scorer as such. I would have liked to have seen him at Goodison Park. Yeah, I like him as a footballer, but not for £80 million. Um, you know, Everson's transfer business since Marcel Brands and Marcus Silva have arrived has been so prudent and so careful and methodical and strategic. And the world, £80 million quid for Wilfried Zaha is none of those. Plus his uh, wages. Yeah, it's just, it's just a huge gamble. It rides roughshod over this, you know, sort of bid to try and, you know, to stay within the bounds of financial fair play, to try and balance the books. It would be a risk as well. I mean, his last excursion, you know, outside of Crystal Palace ended badly at Manchester United. I know that was a long time ago and he was a much younger player then. Uh, but I still think it would be a significant gamble. Um, just for the kind of transfer fee that Crystal Palace wants, I just don't ever see it happening. And I wasn't getting excited about it in the slightest. Um, I'm pretty certain that the club has other targets and other players lined up elsewhere. And I think it's much more important to try and get them over the line. And as we said, we're, we're pretty certain that it's it's you know this will be the last you know we we hear of Zaha, so to speak, in terms of you know any inquiry or interest has has now been sort of put to bed. But is are you reflecting on it potentially therefore as a missed opportunity, or are you in agreement with Preno that for the figures and finances involved in bringing a player of Zaha's age, quality, um, salary expectations, uh, etc., that you know. It was never going to stack up, or yeah, I think I've got to agree with Preno to be honest. I think that, like, when you bring the finances into it, that's when, like, that's when I always had my doubts about it. Like, the rumored price that uh, Everton has apparently bid was in the region of 52 and 55 million. I've seen that was never going to be anywhere near enough because you know, the, prem- the Premier League is is not really a buyer's market at the minute, like, 
Premier League clubs can ask for essentially whatever they want for players now. And I think uh, if Crystal Palace had sat there asking price at 80 million for Zaha, then you'd find it hard to argue with that, to be honest. Like, he is probably worth 80 million to Crystal Palace because without Palace having Zaha, then they're probably going to be in a relegation battle. So he is worth that amount of money to them. Whether he's worth that amount of money to us, I have massive, massive doubts about it. You know, as Preno said, he is a fantastic player and I love seeing Zaha play in the Premier League. I think arguably outside the top six, he's one of the best players in the league. Yes. And, you know, he would have undoubtedly improved Everton's squad if Everton were to have got him in. But, as you say, for the prices, for the price that he would have commanded with his wages on top of that as well, the fact that he's a right-footed forward as well when Silva seems adamant that a left-footed forward is required, I think that, that there was a lot that just didn't fit for me. So I'm, I'm happy to... Like, I can't describe it as a missed opportunity. Like He's a very good player, but... Um, Happy to see Everton try and move on and move into other targets, especially when we've got so little time left of this transfer window. Well, I just want to stay on that point, actually, Ed, about the um, desire that Marco Silva has for a left-footed winger who can play on the right. Preno, do you think, given the time left, um, and you know, we've we've seen a number of publicised targets knocked down, or the club have said, look, we would we would be interested in either Nicolas Pepe, but of course, again, the finances just yeah. aren't possible. Do you think perhaps the manager and the club will have to compromise on that specifics of finding a left footer who can play on the right and actually just bring in a forward uh, or, a, or a winger who, who can play on that side? I think from what we've seen so far from, from Marcel Rands and Marco Soa, they don't do compromise. You know, they're, I mean, we had this situation in the transfer window in January uh, where they said that if the player they want is not available, they weren't going to bring anybody in and they stayed true to that. And I get the impression that will be the case again. They want a particular player, and if they can't quite get that right, that they'll wait. That worries me a little um, because, you know, as you discovered from Marco Zedemina in his post-match press conference after the games at the weekend, he's getting twitchy. You know, so he actually wants to see some movements in the transfer market. Um, so, but whether compromising, you know, your principles or you know your targets will. F- We'll go by the wayside. I, I I can't see it. You know, I think that they will wait to, again to make sure the player is absolutely right. But we need at least two or three players at the absolute minimum. Um, you know, he, he suggested five players, and you know, especially if if Gay you know does complete his deal in the next you know sort of day or so. Just getting a little bit concerned that you know there's a lot to do in a short period of time now. Um, otherwise, we'll end up in a situation like we had last summer, whereby three or four players arrive very, very late in the transfer window, and we don't see the best of them until you know, so sort of January and February and beyond. I we did, we did sort of look at this prospect, didn't we, many months ago? You know, and I'm sure I asked both you, you chaps, the, the question of, is it a priority to get? All the transfer work done by mid mid to latest July, or is it more of a priority just to get them done? Um, are you concerned? Are you getting a little bit sort of twitchy, like Preno was suggesting that it's going to be another late one? There's only, as we record this, ten days to get you know five players, at least five players in. It's you know one every two days, and mm. we know how complex getting transfers done is. Are you starting to get any any concerns? Uh, I've I've got to say I'm not particularly. Uh, I've, I've said throughout the transfer window that as long as the right player comes in, I don't care whether he comes on July the 1st or whether he comes in on deadline day. 4.59 and 40, 49. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like as, long, as long as the right player comes in, then 
I'm I'm not particularly concerned. So it's it's really hard to judge a transfer window until until it's over. So you know, with ten days to go, it's not as if you know brands and silver have been sat on their hands all summer. You know, there will, will have been work going on God, yeah. for months and months. You know, Fabian Delph revealed that he was first contacted in March over a potential move, but that only really came to light a couple of days before he actually put pen to paper. You know, yeah. there could be a lot of those kind of deals going on. You would imagine so, yeah. We would presume so. And Marcel, you know, very likes to keep his cards close to his chest a lot of the time. So you've got your fingers crossed that uh, deals like that are going to happen. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to be particularly concerned until, you know, we're kicking off against Crystal Palace and then, you know, maybe if we haven't got any more signings in, then, then I'll be concerned. But mm. I've, highly doubt that that's going to be the case. I guess, but it comes back to a conversation about the squad as it stands now. And obviously we're, we're, we're taking, sadly, um, Adrissa out of the equation. He obviously mm. is in Paris for a medical head of a £28 million move. So we, we will be losing him. But as as the rest of the squad stands, and and it's it's 95% of what it was last summer with the additions of Delph um, and obviously Lossel as part of the squad, if the five players Marco wants all come in the final week and aren't ready to play at Palace, are you still ha- satisfied that, that we can go and get a result? You know, with the squad that we've got now. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, getting those five players on board before the transfer window closes, great. You know, if that happens, like you say, you know, so four fifty nine on you know the Thursday afternoon, whatever it is, I'll, I'll be delighted. Um, the fixture list, and you can never ever second guess these things, has been quite. Good to Everson, you know, this season. Uh, you know, it's not a bad set of fixtures to start the season with. You know, there's no such thing as the easy game, but, you know, they, they're winnable. Uh, so, you know, Mar- uh, Marco's made it clear he wants to improve on last season's performance, um, you know, finishing, you know, eighth. But you can look at those first two or three fixtures and with the squad that Everson currently have, you think, well, then there's no reason why we shouldn't go to places, you know, like Crystal Palace away and Watford at home without confidence of getting results. And that gives time for the, the newer faces to settle in and, you know, to hopefully get some, you know, level of fitness. So, no, that doesn't concern me at all. I think just getting the, the bodies on board you know, before the transfer window closes is the most important thing because there will be issues as the season progresses. You know, so players will get injured, players will lose form. Um, and, you know, we desperately need cover Right back, certainly, having got yeah. John Joe Kenny to go. I mean, poor Seamus Coleman having to play both games at the weekend or yeah. start both games. Michael saying it was um, a risk, which well, is was pretty was, candid, yeah. you know, for yeah. him to say that. Absolutely. Uh, well, well, it was certainly, yeah. So, you know, that's important. And, you know, I've been banging the drum every time we have one of these pods, you know, a striker, you yeah, know, exactly. of, of some form is so important as well. Uh, obviously, if Garner Gay goes and, you know, completes his deal, that he then needs replacing because <clears> Marco's <throat> made it clear Fabian Delph is not a Garner Gay replacement. You know, he's there to augment the squad. So there's lots to do, uh, but as long as it's done by uh, you know, so transfer deadline day, I'm, I'm quite comfortable. Well, th- I think what you've got to remember is it like it's not been the busiest window across the Premier League no. at all, really. Yeah, I think not. there'll be, I think it's going to get to the point again where it's going to get to deadline day. Players' situations will no doubt change across the course of 24 hours, maybe even 12 hours over <laughs> over the over the course of that day, and you know there's going to be a lot of movements across the league, so. Now, hopefully Everton will be able to take a, a little bit of advantage. I'm sure somebody will, will have a, a, a far greater understanding than this, but just thinking kind of from afar, it feels like this summer is almost replicating last summer in the sense that you've got the top teams have done little bits at this stage, and then you've got the teams that have come up, a Fulham last summer, Villa this time, who've done a load of business, and then everybody in between kind of has done bits but has got mm-hmm. lots to do, and, you, you know... 
as much as Marco had, had hoped to have his squad in by the end of this month, you know, in a couple of days' time, it does feel like it's just going to be a repeat of, of last summer, doesn't it? The problem is, like, I think if you ask any managers across the league whether they'd want yeah. their squad in, you know, first day of pre-season or just before the deadline finishes, they're all going to say, oh, you, well, I want them all in first day of pre-season. The problem is it just doesn't, it doesn't work out like that. You know, transfer windows are notoriously difficult to deal with and you know this is Marcel Brands' second window uh, well summer transfer window at least uh, in England dealt with his first one pretty well in the end so I've got full faith that he'll be able to deal with this one just as well just to make sure Dave Harrison's got his, his running training <laughs> on, just, just in case of another dash to a European city his passport's in his back pocket yeah, yeah, good on Dave for that um, Prano just going to go back to you in terms of the start to the season because the fixture list has been, in inverted commas, kind, do you, do you think that's added reason and fueled Marco's, I don't want to say impatience, but, it, you yeah. know, the way he was speaking on Saturday after the games in Mainz, you know, his kind of, we need to get this done, you know, blah, blah, blah. Do you think that's, that's in his thinking because he's thinking we've got an opportunity to make a real running start of this season. Possibly, I, I think he'd, he'd want them on board regardless of yeah. what the fixture list, you know, sort of threw up. I think you know he wants to see improvements in his squad, you know, from the word go. Um, currently, the, the squad is on a par, I would suppose. I mean, obviously, losing Kurt Zuma is a, is a huge blow, but bringing Fabian Delph in, you know, so you know, there's one banners out the other. I don't know. Um, but you know, currently the, the squad is no different, really. You know, sort of how it was, you know, last season. But it's about to get worse because obviously Garner Gay mm-hmm. is, is going to leave. So a, a lot still needs to happen, and I don't think the fixture list will have you know influenced his thinking at all. I think he'll have just you know wanted to see improvement in the squad throughout. Um, last summer we saw a significant upgrade on what we'd seen previously. Um, we'd like to see the same again, and you know, it just needs to be done quickly. You know, you want to see. Uh, Marcel Brands, Bill Kenwright and co very, very busy for the next 10 days. I'm sure they are, mm. but yeah, I know a lot happens behind the scenes we don't know about. Uh, but you know, you want to see you know, so some significant sign of action. Um, our understanding that there is interest in Juventus teenager Moise Ken. Adam, can you enlighten the listeners at all? I, I, I'm afraid I couldn't tell you a great deal about about the lads. Uh, Pronounced his name right, didn't he? Good, good work. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's Ken rather than Keen. Ken. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But that could, yeah. you know, I mean, I don't know anything about him. I'd be totally blunt. I mean, are you in the same position? I'm, I'm in a similar position. Yeah, uh, Italian football just mm. doesn't particularly appeal to me that much. I think the only time that I've really seen him in the news was when he, he had that. Uh, racism trouble was it was it yeah. against Cagliari I think Cagliari yeah, yeah yeah so uh, I thought I thought he dealt with that situation particularly well I, to I be mean, honest especially for a young player yeah there's a lot there'll be a lot of people listening to this who will know plenty about um, Ken but then perhaps for, for for the general Evertonian fan base will, will be in the similar position to us Preno is that but is that an indication maybe of brands finally kind of if if it if it transpires that we do we do sign the player. It feels like a very Brands-esque signing. Totally, yeah. I mean, that that was what made his reputation in Holland, you know, sort of spotting players who are young, who are just beginning to break through in leagues around Europe and South America especially, mm-hmm. uh, and bringing them into, you know, Holland and actually being successful. And this does seem to have his fingerprints all over as a player who 
was it 13 games he played last season for Juventus? Yes, so, six goals. And six goals, you know, so he's only just broken through. Um, and to be fair, it's, it's a model that German football is using, you know, so sort of very well at the moment, um, at, at targeting English teams and, you know, so young players, Adam Luckman, for example, who have, you know, only just broken through and have done okay and trying to take them, you know, so sort of across to Germany to, to develop and to flourish. So it does seem to have his fingerprints, you know, sort of all over it. I don't know a great deal about him, like yourself, uh, other than you know the bare statistics, which looks impressive, you know, mm-hmm. so for for a young player. Um, but you know his style of play, you know, so I don't know a great deal about. Yeah. In which case, we have to trust, um, you know, so Marcel Brands and his judgment again. Let's face it, you know, he's not let us down yet. I mean, uh, activity in the transfer market so far on his watch has been very impressive. He's got some dance moves I've seen as well. Oh, really? But after, after he scored, yeah. Okay. He's got, got some good moves. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him and Richarlison wow. having, having a little dance. <laughs> um, do, do we share Marco's, I'm, I'm sure we do, but I'll ask the question, uh, do we share Marco's level of concern about um, a lack of creativity in pre-season, the fact that it's only been three goals in the five games, one from a free kick, one from a corner, one from... Seamus Coleman off a deflected shot. Are we as worried as Marco appears to be? Um, yeah. I mean, for the manager to articulate those concerns, you know, publicly indicates that, you know, he's getting a little bit, you know, concerned. So, you know, we, we should share those concerns. Uh, I know Richarlison hasn't been involved yet and he will make a big difference. Yes. Um you know, Bernard and Sigurdsson, you know, you'd imagine they should have enough creativity there to be, you know, so be opening teams up in pre-season games. That hasn't happened. Uh, so, yeah, the fact that the manager is, is willing to voice his concerns means that we should be a little bit concerned about it. Um, pre-season's a, a weird one to to analyse, really. I mean, I was uh, went for a, a pint of tea time last night and a load of Liverpool fans were in there and they're tearing their hair out because they've mm-hmm. just been beaten again by <laughs> Napoli. It was very entertaining, actually. I enjoyed nah. it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, this is the team who just won the Champions League and they're getting upset about, you know, some not winning pre-season games without three of their, like, some main forwards not being available. So, you know, all clubs are in the same boat. All clubs haven't had good pre-season start getting a bit twitchy and a bit concerned. And we had exactly the same thing last summer. I've mentioned it before, that we had a dreadful pre-season. Got oh. absolutely taken to pieces in Rennes. Oh, my word, um, yeah. It was dreadful. You know, Drew Berry and, you know, so it didn't look particularly impressive. And, you know, I was concerned and then went to Wolves on the opening day with 10 men and got a really good point, beat Southampton the following week. Started the season well. It was pointed out to me when I tweeted that last week that, yeah, but it went pear-shaped after that. Mm. So, you know, I, I accept that. But, you know, it's, it's difficult to attach too much significance to pre-season. But to go back to the initial question, if the manager is voicing concerns, yeah, I think we should share those concerns as well. Prem, when you were on um, doing the, the job that myself and Adam do now and you're covering the team home and away, pre-seasons, etc., did you learn over the seasons to temper your kind of analysis of pre-season? Did you learn to kind of not draw as many conclusions and, and not be as reactionary as you may have yeah, done to- in the early t- days. Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, one of my first uh, pre-seasons was when uh, Mike Walker was in charge. <laughs> and I remember uh, Everton losing at Oldham when Joe Royal was the Oldham manager. And uh, I was particularly scathing in my you know, sort of analysis. And he took me to task and was like very unhappy. The fact that I was attaching such significance to a pre-season game. Not, maybe not a great example to use because we started that season with the worst start to season <laughs> in the club's entire history. And he, coming, got, he, he got the sack in uh, November and that was uh, be- not before time yeah. but no subsequently that there have been a number of pre-seasons um, 
where you, you attach maybe a bit too much significance to it. It's about the mood in the camp. I remember um, David Moyes being really, really, you know, so sort of thrilled by one particular preseason in America where the mood amongst the players was so positive, you know, because he just felt that, you know, it'd been a great trip for them. And that then translated into a good start to the season. So if, you know, the manager is articulating concerns at the moment, you know, does that then get transmitted onto the players? Does that make them a bit twitchy? Uh, yeah, I've got to temper any kind of analysis of pre-seasons, but equally, if, if the manager's unhappy, you know, so I think we need to be a little bit concerned. Adam, are you, are you, are you worried by the lack of creativity? And, and, and equally, there was there was a lot of discussion about the two big chances, Calvert-Lewin, that came his way against Sevilla after the game. Mm. What, what's your thoughts on, on that issue? Uh, I'm probably a bit less concerned than the majority, I think, I'm still of the belief that pre-season is all about fitness and nothing else really. I'm not all that concerned about uh, results. I'm more concerned about, you know, especially in that minds game, I'm not bothered that we lost. I'm bothered that, you know, Lewis Gibson got on the score sheet and he had quite a good game. I thought that was a positive thing that can we that we can take out of that. Uh, Calvert-Lewin, <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to not be disappointed that he's not, he's not really taking his chances. Uh, he has one did he have one against Blackburn as well? Quite early on. Uh, yeah, does he have one that he... In the Wigan game, do you mean? B- yeah, Wigan, yeah, yeah. Of course, uh, yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't remember. It's, think it's all blown. Yeah, yeah, he had a header which ran over the bar, which was okay. Mm. To be honest, those two chances at the weekend, I didn't think were, you know, were guilt-edged chances. You know, the, uh, the the one on his left foot was, was sharp. It was a difficult one to try and get under control. The other one, yeah, he took it well in his stride. It wasn't like, you know, he must score kind of chances. What about the header um, in the second half? Did you see that one? I didn't see that one, no. Yeah, Luca Dean picked him out when he headed it and the keeper saved it, to be Ever- fair. FC.com chose not to show that one. Oh, <laughs> right, okay. trying, to, trying to protect the lad, probably. Right. Um, yeah, so Adam, you, you, you're quite relaxed in that. But, yeah, like, I think it just goes back to the Preno's point. Like, you know, last season, well, last summer, we, I don't think we were particularly impressive in pre-season at all. Not and then... In that in that first game against Wolves, I think it was completely different. And you know, at the time we were th- we were a bit disappointed that we come away with a two two against Wolves. But you, you know what? At the end of the season, yeah. it turns out a, a two two away to Wolves is probably good, yeah good pre- pretty decent result. Uh, and as Prano said, it like went a bit pear shaped after that. But you know, I think if we can bring in the kind of signings that we're hoping we can bring in before deadline day, we'll be able to temper that you know kind of dip this time around and hopefully we'll learn our mis- from our mistakes and you know be able to continue that run especially yeah. with you know as you were saying before the uh, how kind fixtures have been to us at the start of the season yeah which well. is why we can't afford to drop cheap points at the start of the season you know you look back to the start of last season and some of those points that went begging you know the 2-2 at Bournemouth having mm-hmm. got into a great position uh, the home draw against Huddersfield you know the, the, the kind of Results that you look back on in hindsight and think, oh gosh, you know the West Ham defeat. You know, if, so what, if one point had been three, exactly, in those yeah. Games, yeah, it could yeah, have made. Yeah. You know, we'd have been in Europe for a start, yes. and yeah, it would have made a massive difference. So can't afford to do the same again this time. You know, got to take every opportunity possible, uh, take points, you know, where they're available, and make progress in the cup competitions. You know, don't be, you know bowing out of cup competitions to stupid goals conceded. So it's very, very important. It's got to be absolutely switched on and, you know, ready to go at all times. So that's why it's so important to get these players in. You know, you want everything to be as good as it possibly can be in time for the start of the season. And um, quickly before we move on to Idrissa, 
Uh, squad numbers will be confirmed, obviously, next month, but yeah. it looks like Calvert-Lewin has asked for and been given the number nine. Excellent. I'm thrilled by that. A underlines the ambition of the lad. He's a proper centre-forward. Uh, you know, I like to see, you know, sort of player of that type wearing the number nine shirt. I know, you know, people point at the goals record and say, you know, a goal scorer should be wearing the number nine. That could come. I mean, I've spoken many times how much he reminds me of a young Graham Sharp. And, you know, Sharp, he was... 23 was he, you know, 24, before he finally began to flourish and and score goals regularly. Uh, So there's still a bit of time left, you know, so for Calvert-Lewin to find that consistency. Uh, But it just underlines, you know, how ambitious the lad is. So no, I'm I'm delighted. It's an an important number, you know, to me. I've always thought that, you know, the number nine shirt is so iconic at Everton. It needs to have a proper centre forward wearing it. So now I'm pleased. I'm very, very pleased with that. I feel sorry for Sandro. (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm not sure there's too many people who would agree with you. I wasn't expecting to hear his name yeah. mentioned in that podcast today, but yeah. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. As we sit and record this uh, podcast, uh, Idrissa Guy is undergoing a medical in Paris, head of a £28 million move to the French champions. Uh, I believe he's going to sign a four-year contract. Um Adam, was there any point in the summer where you felt we had a chance of convincing him to stay? Um, personally, no. I think I think Everton have gone about this the exact right way. I think it was right not to sell him in January because there, were, there wasn't a replacement available. So, And of course, we still thought Europe would have been possible. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it, it, it just wouldn't have made sense. Uh, to sell him in January, even like I, I think even if PSG had stumped up the asking price, I'd, I'd have still been against selling him. Uh, but then, in the few months, in the few months afterwards, he proved why Everton fans love him because not only did he, you know, keep his performance levels consistent, he actually added to his game. Thought he was much better bringing the ball forward. Uh, obviously, he kept that level of. You know, ten- tenacity in front of the back four, but I thought he was, you know, a Cardiff game, that little bit of skill and then threw balls to Calvert-Lewin, you know, we, d- we didn't see that in- enough from him really. And uh, it-, it, f- it did always feel to me like he was playing for that move almost. It, wa- it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, a, oh right, I'm going to pull up my bootstraps and here's me staying at Everton for the rest of my career. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it was... Right, I am going to play so well that they're just going to come back. They're going to come, leave, <laughs> they, yeah, leave them with no other option. PSG will come back for them. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think any Everton fan will ever look at him with any sort of ill feeling. I think you know he he want he wanted the move. You know, it was his. He said very soon after it was his dream move. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't think any Everton fan can really have any doubts about it. You know, he, he was a. Fantastic player for us, you know, great bargain, you know, one of Steve Walsh's only great bargains. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Adrissa. Let's get it, get, get a good replacement in. Yeah, I'm, I'm not overly concerned uh, at his loss. I mean, good player though he has been and bargain sums him up perfectly. 7.2 million and, you know, getting 28 million for him, having had, you know, so two or three seasons of, you know, so very, very good service. Um but the age he has now, 29, is he nearly 30? 30 before Christmas. Uh, yeah. And I just think as well that the balance of that midfield wasn't quite right last season. Um, and I just think we can probably get a better structure in the midfield with a different type of player on board. Um, you know, maybe somebody not quite as 
holding not quite as defensive minded as Garner Gay. I mean, we always see, we all see the stats. You know, he's the best tackler. He's the best. You know. Uh, person at dispossessing the opposition, you know, so in the Premier League, but too often what followed that wasn't of the highest quality. You know, he improved on that to be fair. Yeah, you know, in the second half of last season, but generally it wasn't. You know, the, the biggest asset in his game. You know, it, it was a spoiler certainly, but then the ability to you know do something constructive with it afterwards wasn't quite there often, and and his goals return was negligible. So you know, you could. You could get a better balance in that midfield with somebody slightly different. It needs to be, you know, so sort of a very, very, you know, sort of decent acquisition, you know, so sort of to, to match what he'd done. But now I'm not, not massively disappointed uh, to lose okay. him, you know. And I think I totally echo what you said about him going with the best wishes of the Evertonians uh, because he's been a very, very good player for Everton. <laughs> Just wonder though, how difficult a task you think it is to find somebody. Who who kind of comes close to what he he brought defensively? I know Prell makes a very good point about maybe trying to find a player who develops the role and, and adds mm-hmm. a bit more. But you know, he he was you know market leader if you like so if for want of a better phrase in tackling interceptions, mm-hmm. all of that sort of stuff. And that's you know number of time. How many times you look back at the three years and say he bailed us out there? He did mm-hmm. you know. It's a big ask, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's a massive ask. And I think, you know, the fact that he was top of the stats tables for not only, like, tackles, but it was, like, for interceptions and all that as well. You know, the amount of effort that he used to put into every single game for Everton, you know, it, it's going to be hard to be able to find a player who can replace that. And I think, you know, it might it might be the case that, you know, Everton are, you know, struggling to find some sort of system, a new, a new system, as Preno said, to be able to replace Guy rather than getting a like-for-like sort. I don't think a like-for-like sort of replacement is going to be the right way to go. Do you think that that marries into and feeds into Marco's desire to play 4-3-3 more often then? I I would say so, yeah. And I think it would... I think that would personally be a benefit to Everton. I think that would make the the midfield three a bit more of an attacking unit. Uh, If we can get a proper ball playing... Uh, defend, well, defensive-esque sort of midfielder, get him in to more of a pro- profile of Schneidlin, almost really, uh, to get him into Guy's position alongside Andre Gomez. I think that would be that would be ideal, really. It would allow Gomez to push that little bit further forward. Hopefully, we'll see him in and around the box a lot more, which is what we've always wanted. Is what Preno was saying that he wanted to see more of from him last season. So certainly with Delph as well, he has been he's played alongside Andre, mm. hasn't he? So far in pre-seasons as a holding. But yeah. my, my feeling of that is, as Marco alluded to, that he's doesn't just, suit he's him. just filling a gap at the minute. Yeah, gives and, 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 gives uh, and goes, comfortable on the ball, all of that. But he looks looks like he's going to be more effective if you give him the opportunity if, to get further. Yeah, if you, if you gave him the Gomez position, almost I think he'd I think he'd work a bit better. You know, if he like if maybe Delph was playing alongside Schneiderlin, I think that that would make him look a bit better but yeah I think you know Guy, Guy will be a massive loss and you know he had his job and he did it really really well and I don't think Everton should be looking to necessarily replace that job like for like I mm-hmm. think they can find a new system that will kind of nullify that job almost and try and get a player in as Preno said who's going to you know develop that position in the future Interesting Um it's twenty-eight million pounds, as we understand it. Preno, is that good business? I think it is. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's four times you know what we paid for him. Um, he's at an age now as well where he's only going to 
pick up more injuries, I suppose, and be, you know, sort of, you know, don't want to write him off you know, before his time, but, you know, so 30s, you know, normally when a player is absolutely at his yeah. peak and it's like, you know, not going to improve any from there. So I think it's good business. Um, it was actually the, the piece that, you know, you've written today uh, where you're talking about Everton, there's a 66 million profit on transfers well, Roughly so speaking, so we're going yeah. Vlasic around 14, yeah. uh, Adam Ola was about 22 and a yeah. bit, uh, young Anthony Robinson between one and a half and two, and then obviously yeah. with, with the yeah. Chris's transfer fee. Well, as well. It, it, it's great business and it's what obviously Farhad Mashiri wanted. You know, he wanted to see you know money brought into the football club and players off the payroll, you know, in order to comply with financial fair play and also to, you know, make the club, you know, just a better run unit. Um, it's th- that's good, but you want to see that money spent now as well. You want you want to see players brought in. There's a, a real feel good buzz around the place at the moment as a result of the stadium, you know, so announcements last week as a result of the designs which have been so well received. And it'd be a shame if that momentum and that feel good factor was lost by not, you know, bringing the players in that we want to see in the transfer window. Everything's pretty good at the moment, and you know it could be a very very bright start to the season with the, with the right players on board. So it's, it's why it's important. You know, so it feels good to be a blue at the moment, and you just want to see that built upon at the moment. If it feels like we need to strap ourselves in though for a uh, bit of a roller coaster in the next ten days. Um... Just quickly, and I don't think we had the chance to, to all get round the table and discuss Luckman's exit, have we? Um, mm. We must have spoken about Adam Ola <laughs> Luckman potentially leaving and his future for well over 12 months. Mm. I mean, there probably was never a pod that went by without mentioning his name. His, his, his future is finally sorted. The football club have sold him. Um, how, did you, how did you feel on Thursday when the news was confirmed that he'd gone? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think, I think that sum, sums it up perfectly. Short, it was, yeah. you know, I, th- I think, you know, we've just been talking about a really good bit of business that Everton have done in terms of Guy. I think Luckman, when you look on the face of it, has got to be seen as a fantastic piece of business as well. He was brought in for, was it around 10 million yeah. in uh, January 2017? Uh, he scored that one goal against Man City, of course. And then after that, it just never really got as good as that again. You know, last season, now, Marco Silva fought really hard to keep him in the summer uh, after interest from Leipzig again. And uh, he just could never really seem to kick on. You know, Marco kept bringing up to me and you across the campaign. He just kept bringing up, you know, Luckman needs to do this in training every week if he wants to get into the team. And that that brings some doubts into your head about, you know, what what is he actually doing day to day at Finch Farm? Uh, he only started three Premier League games last season and you know he came off the bench a couple of times and I thought he was you know quite impressive but you know if we're going to be getting a fee in excess of 20 million for somebody who's only started three games for us last season I just can't see how that's going to be a bad piece of business at all. I guess if you're looking at a very very crude level the money that we've pocketed for Adamola has allowed us to bring Gomez to the club permanently Mm. as as a kind of... Yeah yeah. No I mean I'd Similar to Adam's reaction, I, I just shrugged. I thought, well, okay, you know, the, it, he's gone. You know, good luck to the lad. Um, it's funny actually. Everton put out a very, very impressive highlights reel, uh, which Adam Ola himself uh, posted on his Instagram account, with a very, very, you know, lovely and yes. sincere, you know, so thank you to Everton Football Club. You know, so very, very classy, you know, departure. 
And the highlights reel made him look like a world beater. <laughs> I'm thinking, wow, you know, so is he really that good? And you look at it more closely, and it's a couple of goals and a dead rubber in the Europa League. It's it's a header against Lincoln in the FA Cup, yeah. which just just about crossed the line. And then a couple of little flashes and cameos, you know, so in games, which, you know, underlines that the lad clearly does have talent. But producing it consistently, you know, so week after week or day after day in training even, didn't seem to be able to be something he could pull off. And so, yeah, you know, so he's had enough opportunities. It's not worked. You know, it's a very, very unforgiving environment, the Premier League, as I've said many times. And you don't get many opportunities to shine. You know, you've got to take them when you can. Whether you get that opportunity in the Bundesliga, I, I don't know. Um, you know, if, if he is successful and he comes back to this country, a better player, Fair play, you know. So good luck to the lads. But I'm, I'm not that desperately disappointed to have lost him. You know, mm. we've seen flashes on occasions, but not enough to make me think. No more than Nikola Vlasic, for example. That you know, made, made me think that you know, wish we kept hold of him either. You know, exactly the same. Just little flashes every now and then, but not sufficient to make me mourn his exit. I think he'll be good in Germany. I, and look, I was about to say as well. You know, I, I think. He goes with the majority of everybody's best wishes. Really good luck to him. And he was, he, the smile on his face in the pictures. I mean, he yeah. was just thrilled to finally be there, wasn't he? Mm. Yeah. Well, he, by all accounts, he just really enjoyed his loan spell mm. in Germany, didn't he? You know, it didn't go absolutely according to plan. He did have a spell of time where he was left on the bench, but he forced his way back in. Yeah. Got himself a good good number of goals. You know, he really impressed uh, the Leipzig manager at the time. And, you know, he's, been allowed the chance to go back now. You know, he's obviously seeing the likes of Jadon Sancho absolutely ripping up trees at Borussia Dortmund because, you know, as Prenner alluded to before, German clubs are, seem willing now to giving these English youngsters the chances that they want to have. And, you know, fair play to Luchman for going out on loan there in the first place. You know, Allardyce wanted to send him to Derby at yes. the time, didn't he? And he rejected the move to the Championship, which probably would have been easier, well, a lot easier for him. He, he would have done very well at Derby, but he decided to move to the challenge of Leipzig instead and fair play to him for that because it's, it's, it's worked out for him really well. You know, Leipzig are going to be in the Champions League uh, next season. So, you know, fair play to him and I, d- I do hope he really does do well. So, look, we one of uh, a few departures this summer and probably not the last, obviously, Everton still trying to trim the wage bill and reduce the size of their squad whilst at the same time bringing in those five players that Michael Silver feels the squad needs. Um, thank you very much for listening. Thanks for your company, chaps. Uh, you can remember you can rate, review and subscribe to us on iTunes or the Acast app, so please do so. Uh, we will reconvene again. Um, Adam is going to Bremen, so, so follow Adam uh, on Twitter and keep up to date with all the updates via him in Germany. Uh, and we will obviously reconvene in what will be deadline day week. Um, in the final few days of the window when we expect um, things to go from 0 to 60 for Everton. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.